Turn in your Bibles really quickly to, to Exodus 27, verse 20. And while, while you're turning there or clicking there or pretending to, because hopefully you bought a Bible or you have a phone, a Bible in your app, pray, a Bible app in your phone rather, um, I've, I've been on this journey and I need you all to pray for me. Somebody say we're going to pray for Pastor. So a little over a year ago, maybe like a year and a half ago now, my wife got involved in this resurgence, I would say, of this essential oil craze. All the husbands are, they don't want to say amen too loud. My wife has seemed to have been gripped like so many individuals with these essential oils. And I want to tell you the truth. To me, from the onset, it was just another way to waste money. She's going to be here second service, and I'm going to say it just like that. It was to me just like, it started off with a small diffuser and just a few oils. But then, you know, after a couple of weeks, it was every week there was packages of new oils coming to the house. Daily, just packages of oil. Then it escalated to a diffuser in every single room of my house. Diffuser in the bedrooms, diffusers in, in the living room, in the dining room, and, and for some reason, the most expensive diffuser in the kitchen. There was a diffuser everywhere. I was confused about being diffused so much. It was just, why is there a diffuser and are they all blowing the same scent? I don't understand what's going on. And then all of a sudden, it escalated. And now it was no longer enough to have a diffuser. We needed a shelf. And I, I wanted to show you the shelf so that you understand what Lewis Burgos is dealing with. We had to have this pretty shelf stacked with all of these essential oils. And, and it wasn't essential Lewis at all. Somebody say at all. And then it, after this, it escalates it. Now, you know, babe, none of the diffusers we have are good enough. We need this one called the Aria. That's like $4.2 billion. I'm just like, babe, why do I need that one? It's the, it's the best one. And she's running through all these reasons. And I don't care because happy wife. Or so they say. And so I buy her this next level diffuser and then she gets a pretty shelf for it in the kitchen. And now it's not just a piece of machinery, it's like a piece of decor. And then they came out with a white Aria. She's asking me for that one now. But I wanna tell you the truth, I did not believe in these like, these essential oils at all. Cause one day I, I opened my bag and inside my bag, there was a little oil roller, my work bag. And I'm like, why is this here? And it had this word written on it called focus. And she had to make me a focus blend of oils. And I thought to myself, what is she saying about my work ethic and my habits that she's sending me a focus oil? I took it personal. And then one day I'm leaving for work. And she's like, here, babe. And she gives me another roller. And it was an allergy roller. And now she's trying to help my ailments. And like people who do essential oils, they got a, a blend for everything. You're coughing? I have a blend for that. Flat feet? I got a blend for that. What? How? How's that possible? But then there was this one day during the pandemic where my wife was, um, she was upstairs. And during the pandemic, uh, we weren't filming at the church. We were trying to be as distant as possible at times. And I was, you know, I was preaching from home all the time. So I would record my messages at like one or two in the morning when the house is quiet because I got three kids. You know, you got to keep the kids quiet. You got to keep the dogs quiet. And, and, and so I was recording my messages like really, 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 really early in the morning. And one day, like I don't, I couldn't even tell you what happened. Honestly, true story. I could not tell you what happened. But about two o'clock in the morning, my back gave up on me. And I would find out, you know, months and months later that I had two herniated discs in my back. 
And, and I was like, I couldn't even walk. And for eight days, I was in bed. And I was just like, yo, I, I don't understand why I'm in so much pain. Muscle relaxers didn't do it. Nothing worked. And my wife comes up to me. She goes, I, I have these oils, and I'm just rolling my eyes. And I'm like, oh, God. I don't want to be Mr. You know, oily back. Bad enough I can't walk. Bad enough I can't even move around. I uh, can't stand. I can't lay down. I can barely see. When you have back pain, like cut off my leg instead. Don't take my back pain. Like back pain's the worst. I'd rather get shot, I think. I don't know. I just, I haven't been shot, but back pain is just like, you can't do anything. It's like half your body's missing. And, and so she, she puts these oils on my back. And I got to be honest, within 20 minutes, the pain was like starting to go away. But I wasn't a believer yet. And I was like, this is foolishness, you know. But within an hour, I was able to walk. And I became a believer. Like she converted me. So I'm like, you want to buy it. Whatever you want to buy, buy it. You need more oils? Girl, get them. Plant therapy, you want young living, I don't care what you want, just buy it. New diffusers, whatever, get it. You want five arias, get them. Because my back pain was gone. Now, every time I have back pain, babe, 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 get that oil, get the blend, get the blend. Keep them in stock, keep them in stock. I got a new one, don't do a new one, I want the same one. I want the old one, which, which one was it? I want that one. And I became like this believer, I'll tell you the truth, of these essential oils. Now, the, the oils, of course, God makes them, right? But I, I, as I began to see more of this oil craze all over, I began to look through the scripture and see that God has his version of essential oils. And so I want to talk to you. We're going to have some guest speakers over the next couple of weeks, too, about God's essential oils. And what are the oils that you need for your Christian life? Now, there are a lot of oils in the Bible, which is where they try to sales pitch you. These are from the scripture. But whatever. We're talking about God's oils. And I want to talk to you for the next couple of weeks on this topic of the essential oils of Scripture. Amen? And our first one, we find it in Exodus 27, 20, and it's not the most common type of oil that you might think of, but I want to just shine some light on it and hopefully give you what God put on my heart. Amen? Exodus 27, verse 20, from the ESV, it says, You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you pure beaten olive oil for the light, that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn in the tent of meeting, Outside the veil that, that is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend to it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel. Now, the first oil that we're going to look at today is not the, the one that you might think of as being the most important, but I could not get away from this oil the more I studied on the oils of Scripture I read this one, and it was the most important to start with today, and it's called the beaten oil. If I, if I had to give today's sermon a title, even though it doesn't sound that great, it's the beaten oil. And I want to look at this scripture and just see where God is talking to Moses about this issue of the beaten oil. Now, as I began to study about these essential oils in scripture, this is the one that I kind of put to the side. It's going to be the least important. And it turned out to be one of the ones that I just could not get away from. Now, in the verses that we read, God is talking through a man whose name is Moses. Now, Moses is the leader of the nation of Israel at the time. And Israel is like God's chosen people. They've just been delivered by God from slavery in Egypt. And now they're in the wilderness, in the desert. And God has performed all of his miracles, signs, and wonders. And now God is through the man Moses. He's building this tabernacle, this kind of sanctuary, this tent sanctuary for God's presence to dwell. 
Now, I love that when Egypt, when Israel went into Egypt, there were only 70 people strong, but 430 years later when they come out, they're over a million people strong. And that's, as I, as I look at this text and I look at this story and I look at where Israel's at, I love that God can use the hardest times of life to multiply us. I love how God works that in the difficulties of life, he takes and he, when you think he's breaking you apart, he's really spreading you out. He's really growing you. He's really doing something deeper in your life, right? Moses was the intermediary between God and man at this time. In other words, Moses is the voice box of God in the earth. And he is the man who God speaks to face to face. And he gives him his instructions. Now, in these verses, God has been communicating to Moses that he's receiving these very detailed plans to build the tabernacle. Maybe you studied that if you were in church as you were a kid in Sunday school, but they're building the tabernacle for the presence of God to dwell with, amen? Now this word dwell in Greek is the word tabernacle, which is why the Bible says in John chapter one, uh, where it says that he dwelt among us, talking about Jesus, that he, that he came to be flesh and bones, to dwell among us. That word there in, in Greek is really to tabernacle among us. And so this tabernacle he's building is a, it's a picture of Jesus in the future. And so he's building this tabernacle, and God is giving him this instruction. Needless to say, nestled in these verses is the instruction that God gives him about a certain oil that is supposed to be brought to the people of God, from the people of God to God. He says this, I want you to bring this beaten oil. This is really important, church. I want you to bring this beaten oil. Now, this oil was supposed to be used specifically for a lamp that stood before the holies of holies veil. So there was a, a spot in this tabernacle where there was inner courts, outer courts, inner courts, holies of holies. Now in the inner courts, there was this lamp. It was a menorah. It was supposed to burn day and night, never go out. And it was supposed to light the way for the priest to be able to get into the holiest place of the temple. You with me so far? And God was very precise. I only want you to use the beaten oil of an olive to be able to light this lamp. He didn't want flaxseed oil. He didn't want the oil that came from animal fats. He says, I only want you to use the beaten oil. And in case you're wondering, the first thing you need to know about this beaten oil is that it is the absolute purest form of the olive's oil that can possibly be extracted. It is the absolute, it's, it's really just olive oil, but it's the method by which it is produced that makes it important. Now here's why God says I only want that type of oil. Because any other oil in that time frame would have caused black smoke and God did not want black smoke in his presence. He wanted that lamp to burn, somebody say pure. Right, now the JPS Torah commentary, Rabbi ba uh, Baya Asher, he says something interesting. Uh, Rabbi Asher says, that the, the beaten oil was usually, usually only used for food. It's like that extra virgin olive oil. It's only used for food. But God is kind of reversing and says, use this one for the lamp, use everything else for food. I want Israel to bring this beaten oil. It's the most expensive olive oil, and I want to bring it to my presence. Now here's something worthy of note. The type of oil is not important. It's the method by which it is extracted that makes this oil very important. Now, the beaten oil, right, is one of two types of oil that comes from an olive. There's the regular olive oil where you crush it and you, you smash it and you get that oil out. But the beaten oil is real simply this. When you first take a ripe olive, which is still green, and you kind of just like rip it open, the first drops of oil that come from that ripping is the beaten oil. It is the first few drops. It's actually called the first fruit of the olive. 
the first fruit of the olive, when you rip it open and you kind of hit it and you can get more out, but you can't crush it, you have to just beat it. You have to just maybe pound on it, but not cause it to crush. Because once you start crushing the olive, you get the meat of the olive into the oil, and now that'll cause black smoke to come up from a lamp. Are you with me so far? So the method of extracting and breaking this olive open, you know, one Hebrew uh, commentary said that a better word for this oil is actually the broken oil. Because it's the oil of breaking. It's the oil that you get when you break open that olive. This is not the oil that comes from crushing when you get the impurities. It's the oil that comes from the gentle tearing apart by beating on this olive it produces this perfect oil that was used usually for medicinal purposes or for you know, anointing oil was only the beaten oil was only oil used for anointing and also for human consumption this is the part where we can see why this is an essential oil for our lives now there's two types of essential oils in God's economy there are oils that God gives and then oils that God gets some that God gives to us and others that God gets from our lives this is one that God gets, right? The first type of oil is one that God pours on us. Here's point number one, real simple. The beaten oil is an oil that God pulls from us. So there's two types of oils, one that he pulls, one that he pours. This one is the one that God pulls from your life. And it's important to note that this is an oil that radiates God as he pulls it from our lives. That as God begins to extract this from us, we begin to live more like Jesus and be more like God. This is not something that God pours on us. It's, it is symbolic of something that God pulls out of our lives. And the symbolism here is where I believe that this oil gets its kind of really powerful picture from. Because God understands and knows what's in our lives. Like God knows what he deposited inside of every single one of us. And inside of all of us, he's placed an anointing. He's placed an essential anointing or oil on your life. And in church, when somebody sings real good or they preach with the, because some people can preach real good, but they ain't got no oil. Some folks can sing real good, but they ain't got no character, so they ain't got no oil. They're just as good at being bad off the altar as they are good at being good at singing on the altar. Right? Some folks do all the things of the world, but with the wrong, all the things of the church with the, with the heart of the world. They, they have a self-promoting attitude, and God's like, there's no oil on that, because no flesh will glory in my presence. You can do all the things you want, but if God is not truly the center, and all you're doing is for self, then in the end, you will fail. And you might major in things that are minor in God's eyes, but minor in things that are major in God's eyes. And you might end up at this place of achieving goals, but not achieving glory. You got to be careful, right? God does not allow for any of these things to come in glory in his presence before him. See, but this oil is the oil that when God extracts it from our lives, it helps us to burn pure before him and be on fire for the Lord. It's an oil that he pulls from us. It's a pure anointing that in your life is not prideful. It is not self-seeking. It is not indulging in the carnal things of the world. It's, it's, not, it's not you looking for self-gratification. It's you looking for the benefit of others and living your life for the benefit of God and for the kingdom and then not having to talk about anybody else who's not doing it how you're doing it. It's God asking you to be pure in your heart. And we need this beaten oil from our lives so that we can give it back to God for the glory of God that we can burn for him. Now, the lampstand in the tabernacle was lit by this oil. It was symbolizing the presence and the way to God is always lit up. 
The way to the holiest place is always lit up. And our lives should be like that. That if we live a life of righteousness and holiness, that anybody can come to God. Anybody can come to him if they live purely. Without the lampstand, the tent would have been dark and the priest would not have been able to see where the holy of holy was. It would have been an unknown mystery to the priest. See, when our life doesn't have a lamp filled with this pure beaten oil, we can also slip into darkness. We can also slip into that. In the human heart, there are many areas where we can slip quickly into darkness. We find ourselves stumbling about or riddled with fear and confusion. If you're walking in fear and confusion, you have a light issue in your heart. But the light issue is an oil issue. Because if you had the oil, your lamp would be burning. We see this all throughout the scripture. What do the 10 versions fall for, right? The five of them, right? They didn't have enough in their lamp. What kind of oil would have been in their lamp? It would have been this beaten oil. You have to look and see God saying, do you have enough oil for your life? We are hopeless, right, without this kind of lampstand mindset where our lives are supposed to be lit up for Jesus. But when we don't have that, we're filled with helplessness, hopelessness. We fall into false worship and worship things of this world rather than the things of God. We worry more about our appearance than we do about our heart condition and posture. False worship can be only placing your hope in something else. When you say something like false worship in church, people are like, well, I don't worship any other gods. You might worship your bank account. You might worship your career. Some people worship their children. They put everything before, their, before you know, God is, is somewhere in the third place, but children are number one. And God's like, yeah, but you got to put me before your children. Who gave you the kids? <laughs> and we can idolize anything in our lives. But this lamp was supposed to have perpetual oil on it. It was never supposed to go out. And there's a place in our intimacy with God where he's saying to us, this lamp, this light of yours, our relationship, it's a, it's a metaphor for our relationship and intimacy with God. It should never burn out. There should always be a place of oil in your life where it's coming in and you are able to light others' way to Jesus Christ. When the light is hidden from God, right, a darkened heart leads to emptiness inside. This lamp you have to have is supposed to be always lit. You see, but when the light of God is lit in your lives, people can come to God. But when it's hidden, right, it brings destruction and darkness and death. When God's light is shielded from the acts of sinful men, their hearts are hardened and they continue in sin. And you know what I'm talking about. There has been seasons of your life where your heart has been hardened by the conditions of life. And you'd be in church with a hardened heart. And you, you think you're growing, but you're growing hard towards everybody else. And God said, that's not growth at all. If you're looking around and you got more problems than blessings with the people in your circle, then that's not growth at all. You think you're outgrowing people, but you're just growing a hard heart. And God's like, I want to change your heart. Where's the oil? Where's the compassion? Where's the love that we're supposed to have? It's no wonder that God takes some of these oils and he, he pulls them from our lives. He pulls them out of our lives so that we can burn for him. Because if it was not for what he pulls out, how would we burn for him? And so he allows certain things in our lives. Well, the question becomes, well, how does God get this oil from my life? We, we probably would ask that question. Where does God get this oil from my life? Does he show up and just open the tap? Well, not exactly. 
Well, then, Pastor, how does God get this from my life? Well, while preparing this sermon, I came upon the story of a rabbi who was having a conversation with this gentleman about the beaten oil. And he had asked the rabbi and the children of Israel, he said, why do they have to use the beaten oil in Exodus 27, 20? And the rabbi, he knew the man who was asking him this question was a camp director. And he says to him, what do you do with a log that does not light? when you're trying to start a fire. And the camp director was a city slicker, much, much like us, and so he didn't know much about campfires like me. I can probably start a fire here or there, but he was kind of like, didn't even know, but he knew this one answer, that if the, the log does not light, you have to splinter it. And so he says, you have to splinter it. And the rabbi goes, doesn't God splinter our lives when we don't light up for him? Doesn't God take and allow breaking to come into our hearts and our lives? Doesn't God allow these tough things to come out of us, uh, to, for us to go through them so that God can pull and extract something from our lives. Here's point number two, that God uses affliction as his method of extraction. That God uses affliction as his method of extracting this type of oil from our lives. And again, going back to point A, this oil is meant so that you can burn pure for God. Ain't nothing like a trial to keep you humble. I wish I had a witness there. Ain't nothing like God just smacking you down with a hard season so that you could stay humble in him. Ain't nothing like God keeping you dependent on people you don't even want to be dependent on so that you can be humble. Because if you did it all by yourself, you would be prideful. And sometimes God allows you to do that so you can fall into your own ways. And so if you got it going on by yourself, be careful. Because you might be getting turned over to a reprobate mind where God's like, well, you don't want to have nobody else help you? I'll leave you to your own sins and devices. I want to grow you. But God takes, right, and he uses affliction. Remember, this oil is something that God pulls from us. He uses this affliction as a method of extracting this oil from our lives. In other words, here's what I'm saying to you, that because God knows what's inside of us, he is able to pull on what he knows he has previously placed inside of us. And because he knows that there's a more of, a, of an intimacy for you and for him, he allows the afflictions of life to come against us so that in that affliction we lean on him and have a dependency on God that we would otherwise not have. You might be listening to me and saying to yourself, well, I don't want to catch fire that bad for God to have to, you know, blow me up. I don't want to be on fire for God that bad, Pastor. I'm good with just this mediocre relationship with God. Well, then this sermon might not be for you because I'm looking to speak to people who want to burn for God who want a purity in your burning and in your pursuit of God, that you're serious about the things of the Lord. God commanded Israel, bring me this oil. It was not a suggestion. He said, no other oil will be good for my presence. What would change that now? God wants purity for us and in us. And he only makes a demand on our life in the places where he has put a deposit in our life. He cannot demand from our life what he has not already deposited into our life. And so God allows us to be afflicted at times. The psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I had gone astray. But that doesn't mean the only time God afflicts is when we go astray. Sometimes you can be walking in the will of God and still be afflicted. Now, God knew that Israel had this oil, not because they had some place to make it from, but because when they left Egypt, they had plundered Egypt and taken the best of everything. So God knew these folks got some beaten oil. I want them to bring to me the most precious oil they have. Bring it. What they would usually bring for themselves, God says, I want them to bring for me. What they would 
eat what they would consume of themselves. I want them to bring it to me. And here's the thing. You have access to this oil too. You have access to this type of oil that helps you burn pure for God. And it comes from the times and seasons of your life where you face trials and you don't turn to sin when God is trying to test you. When you don't turn to wickedness and your own devices when God is trying to do something different in your life. You might have heard these verses before, but I want to read these verses to you and hopefully shed some new light. And it's in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, the words of Paul. He says this, For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, Keep in mind the topic here is the light. Has shown into the hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And we are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. Persecuted but we are not forsaken. Struck down but we are not destroyed. Catch this, Paul starts off by talking about a light, the knowledge of Jesus. He shifts into this illustration about this jar of clay. And the clay jar that Paul is talking about is not just a vase or a jar. It's something like this. Put that up for me, Jovi. It's actually something a lot more meaningful than just what you might think. It's a lamp. He's saying, there, we have this treasure, the beaten oil, this oil. In, in, he's talking about the revelation of Christ, but we have it in a jar of clay. How do we keep that thing lit up? He says, you know what? We've been pressed, but not crushed. You don't crush an olive to get this oil. We've been persecuted, but we've not been abandoned. We've been struck down because they would strike these olives, but we've not been destroyed. Because once you destroy the olive, you get that meat of the olive into the oil. And so Paul's using this vast imagery of a lamp, of a oil, and he's saying to you, you are going through trials in life. You are enduring tough things, but something greater is coming out of you in the midst of this, and it is a treasure, and it's lighting the way for others. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We might not realize what's happening. We might be questioning God in different various seasons of our life. But as you question God, he's saying, you know what? You are not in despair. You might be going through, but you got somebody said, I got hope. You've been persecuted, but you've not been abandoned. I'm going through some things, but I'm not alone. Not only do I have a family of God with me, I got God himself inside of me. I got this ever-present oil of the Spirit of God burning in me to cause me to have a purity in the midst of trial. Ain't nothing worse than Christians going through trial, and you are a Debbie Downer. I've been that person before. Nobody likes that person. Every time you see somebody, you're so tired. Just going through. Uh. My life is this, and my kids are fine. You know what? Just go, go home. You ain't going to infect nobody with joy today. Just go, go get in your prayer closet. Do something. You need joy. You need, you need that oil of purity coming from your life. You know, I count it a worthy thing to endure the sake of the cross and the, and, and the pains that come with it. We have to get to that place, and, and I'm not saying that I've mastered it every single day of my life, but I know that I cannot live by circumstance, and I must realize that as I'm being afflicted or tested or tried by God, there is something being produced in me that causes me to, in my life, to burn much more pure for God. It's a purity that I cannot get from this world or from just me doing it by myself. And if it had not been for the affliction, I would never have turned to God in the first place. 
If I had just rested on what was good, would I have been faithful? I don't know. But I thank God for the hard times because in those seasons, he tested my faith. And faith that has not been tested is still fake. It's not real. It's not quality controlled. It's only, you only know it's the real McCoy when you actually get tested by God. He says, I've been struck down, but I've not been destroyed. My lamp is still burning. My life is still emanating the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I see the hand of God in everything that I go through. And I can have a serious mental strength and joy in the midst of this because I'm burning more purely because God is extracting the foolishness out of my life. You gotta realize your oil is not cheap. Your anointing is not cheap. What God has placed on your life is not cheap. It may challenge you, and it should, and it should change you also. It's not cheap. You want to just have a good, good life, a perfect life, and never go through nothing. But who wants to hear from somebody who's never gone through nothing? That's like having a trainer who's overweight. What are you going to teach me? I don't go to barbers who wear hats. What, show me what you got under there. I don't listen to skinny chefs. I'm not going to hear it. I want to hear what you got to say. What are you going to show me about? You've never been through nothing. How can you teach me about the goodness of God in the midst of trial? You got something that others don't got. If you're going through, you got a perspective that nobody else got. So I realize the things that God has put in my life and I've had to endure, I can help others. I know what it is to be a, to be a dad who your kid comes out premature and you don't know if they're going to make. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to lose a parent, to lose this. I know what it feels like to go through great loss in your life. I understand what it is to lose. But if I hadn't experienced those things, how could I have ever gone and preached the gospel and encouraged people through it? You know, my father passed away 14 years ago, and my sister, she said something prolific when her ex-husband passed away. Her child's dad passed away, and she, she called me and said, I thank God I went through what I went through. Because how could I help my daughter go through what she's going through if God had not allowed me to go through it first? You're looking at what you've been through and be like, my whole life I've had to fight. And God's like, your whole life I've been strengthening you. I've been pouring oil and getting oil out of you. I've been building you so that you can burn more pure and that you would know not to look to the world in every area because you got, a, you got an anointing on your life and you got an essential oil that is a beat. You know, God has beat you. He beat it out of you. He done broke you. He done ripped you apart. He extracted from you something that nothing else could get out of you. He's allowed it. And you're like, God, why am I going through? He's like, I'm trying to build you up. Be quiet. Stop yelling, I'm going to rip you here, I'm going to rip you there. But the first fruits of your life better belong to me. The first fruits of your heart, you better bring that oil, that brokenness. You better share it with somebody. That hurt, you better give it to somebody as encouragement when they go through. Don't just hold it in. For what I've done for you is a pathway for somebody else to get out. What I've delivered you from is, is your encouragement to help sister so and so out. And what you've endured and what I've extracted through affliction in your life is so that you can lead somebody else. And I only allowed it because I knew I would pull you out. I would save and deliver you and you would be able to lead others. I'm talking about a beaten oil. He, God, why are you doing this in my life? I'm trying to get some oil out. I'm trying to pull something out of your life. Well, why, God? So that the world can watch you burn. Because when you come out the other side, 
you, you, you may look exactly like what you've been through. You may look maybe worse than what you've been through, but the difference is in oil that you could not get from nowhere else. Listen to me. We only go through seasons of extraction when God has a season of expectation for you. When God is trying to fulfill an expectation, he performs an extraction. When he says, I, you're at, I have a level 10 for you, you are at a, you are at a seven, I got to extract some things real quick. I got to pull some oil out so you, you can make it the rest of the way through. And so what, is, what does the mechanic do when, 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 the, when the bolt is really, really stuck? You got to pour some oil on it. When something's stuck, you got to pour oil on it and then put, you have exert massive force on it. When you, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me. When you want to get your door to stop squeaking, and some of you, every time God's trying to open the door for your life, you're just talking back. And God's like, would you be quiet? He pours some oil on it. Put some oil on the hinges. It'll, it'll shut that right up. And the hinges are the circumstances of your life that swing opportunities open and they swing opportunities closed. And God's like, I just pour some oil on it so that y'all can be quiet while I do this work. Have you ever got your hand stuck on something? Maybe, ladies, you put a ring on that was too small for you. You're trying to be cute. And God's like, get some oil on that. Oil gets everything off. Did you catch that? Oil gets everything off. He takes the oil and says, I'm going to oil you up. But how are you going to do it? I'm going to beat it out of you. I'm going to break you. I'm going to tear you up. But it's for your glory. It's for your own, it's for your own glory, God, that you do this in my life. Are you with me? Always caring, verse 10, in the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Paul says you were carrying around this death of Christ, the suffering, the hardships, the tough times. We're, we're doing that so that we can also carry the life of Jesus. For a season in my family, my, my children swore that they could not sleep without their essential oil diffuser. And so every night my wife would go into that very same shelf and she would grab a concoction or a blend, whether it was a lemon or a lavender, and she would run upstairs and she would do the drops and she would put the distilled water because regular water wasn't good enough and she would put distilled water in there and, and, and the kids would be fast asleep. No joke, they would be fast asleep. I would go up there six, seven minutes later and these kids are knocked out. So maybe there was truth to it, I don't know. But here's what I understood, that every time my wife went to that shelf, she only pulled what she intended to pour. Here's point number three, that God only pulls from our life what he intends on pouring back into our life. God only pulls where he wants to pour. He only extracts what he expects from you because he wants to use it in your life for the greater glory of the kingdom of God. Like my wife extracting or rather pulling from the shelf a combination of oils and items that she would need for my back pain. God, he has a specific purpose for every single trial that you are going through and he's trying to pull from your life. I digress for 25 seconds to tell you I'm not talking about when you're living in sin and cause yourself hardships. I don't want you to walk out of here with your sinful mess and you're thinking that I'm going through because I'm, I'm just walking with God. No, no, no. You might be living in sin. You might be doing things that don't honor God, don't please God. I'm not talking about that. That's called reaping and sowing. You reap what you sow. I'm talking about when you walk righteous and out of nowhere the devil is just in your mix. And every now and then, something breaks apart in your life. You're like, oh, God, what is going on? And he's just like, I got to pull some oil from your life. I got to extract something from your life. God only pulls what he intends on pouring. He extracts the oil. 
that he wants to use for you to burn brighter, to burn more purely, and to burn longer for his glory. He only does it for our good. Now, I don't know about you, the afflictions that we experience in this life are but a small thing in comparison to the glory that we will once see in God's presence. And we as believers have to really not just say that, but live that. Well, why would God allow me to go through so much just to get this oil? Is there another way? And the answer is this. The answer is real simple. No, there's not. And the perfect example of this entire sermon of this beaten oil, church, it's Jesus. I can't help but see Jesus in this picture of the lamp and the oil. That the beaten oil that is extracted is, is from the olive that is beaten and torn apart. Isaiah 53, verse 3, that he was what? He was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our iniquities. He was beaten for our sins. Jesus is the perfect picture. He was wounded for what we did. Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 is called the first fruit of the brethren. He is the first fruit of God. He is that first fruit oil from that olive. Man, Jesus is that lamp that stands throughout eternity now. He lights the way to the holiest place. He's like, it's, it's me if you would come. Jesus is the picture of this beaten oil, beloved. He is the perfect Savior. Who through his beating, his bruising, and his hardship, we obtain a light of life that brings us into eternity, that brings us beyond the veil. See, the lamp that was there was supposed to burn consistently so the priest could get beyond the veil. Jesus is the light forever. John chapter 1, it says, when the light shined into the darkness, the darkness could not overcome it. It could not comprehend it. Jesus is still shining into darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. And priests like you and me, we can go into the holiest of places because the Bible says you're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen people. He likes that way. He pulls oil from our life so that we can get to that holy place. And it's a mixture of Jesus, His saving grace, and the Spirit of God that allows us to enter into holy places. And He says, if you would see that, it's all Jesus. Exodus 27, 20 says the lamp is to always supposed to be lit. That's Jesus, the perpetual lamp of God. He is the lamp that would never go out. He is the light of the world. But then Jesus says in Matthew 5, he tags us in Matthew 5 and says, you're the light of the world. Because the oil that was in me, I'm going to give to you. This pure oil signifies the graces of the Spirit of God, the goodness of Christ. Extracted from the branch, the, the olive branch. Or who's that? That's Jesus, the Bible calls him. And when he pours out, when he pours out, our lives begin to serve as a lamp for others that allow them to get to a holy place. For no person comes to the Father lest the Holy Spirit draws them and a brother or sister leads them. Some of them get sovereignly saved by God, but the vast majority of the time, it's going to take you to lead somebody and be a lamp for God. See, what you don't realize is this, and I close with this, that you are God's diffuser. And he, he pours the waters and the trials of life on you. See, I, Matt, I love it because, like, the drops of oil that my wife puts in are so small in comparison to the water that she puts in a diffuser. So she'll put a bunch of water in the diffuser and, like, three or four drops of oils, and the whole place smells like the whole thing was that oil. It just takes a few drops for God to diffuse something in your life and for you to be a fragrant offering to God and to others around you.
Have you ever walked into somebody's house and it just smelled like, what's that? What you got going on? For me, usually it's food. <laughs> what you got cooking in there? What you got growing in there? In my house, it's oils. And babe, what's that blend? Oh, that's this, and that's eucalyptic, and that's this, and that. I'm just like, oh, that's, do it again, babe. That's great. When's the last time somebody walked in your life and said, what's that? What is God diffusing in your life that is going to cause the curiosity of others? to want to experience this oil that is in your life. See, I wasn't a believer. I didn't take the oil thing personal until it became powerful for my own being. And it's much like your walk with Christ that it never becomes powerful until it's personal, until you realize that God wants to use you for great things, for the kingdom of God. It's a simple instruction that God says, bring this oil to me in Exodus 27, 20. He says it about seven more times in the scripture. Bring that oil to me. And I want to challenge you. God is saying, bring that oil to me. It's an essential oil for our lives because it is the oil that causes us to burn pure, that causes us to burn bright for God. Come on, stand with me. Maybe you're here today and you know God, and, and, but you haven't been burning the way you need to burn. And you're like, God, why are you beating on my life? And God's like, because I got to pull something out of you. And maybe you've never made a decision for Jesus. Maybe you are here because somebody makes you come. Maybe you're a young adult or you're here with your spouse and you don't really want to be here half the time. And God's like, yo, I, I want to touch your life. I want to move in your life. If you would allow me to. Maybe you are loving Jesus. Anybody here who loves Jesus? Right? But you're enduring some seriously hard times. I want to tell you that God... He never afflicts us where he's not extracting something from us. He doesn't break us where he doesn't want to multiply us. He doesn't beat something out of you that he doesn't want to pour something into others. He only pulls what he intends on pouring. And if you find yourself in a season of hardship, I want to encourage you this morning that if you allow God to do his work in you, that by the end of this season of your life that you're in right now, you will burn brighter for Jesus if you handle this with righteousness. Every head bowed, every eye closed across this sanctuary. He's so faithful. He's so good. If you need Jesus in your life and you've not made that commitment, would you do me the favor of putting your life in God's hands? Would you consider that this morning? Would, if that's you, would you lift your hand as high as you can? Maybe you just know your life is not right with God. Thank you. You know it's not right with God. You know it's not right with God. No shame. Amen. You got one. Come on, church. You know it. You know it's not right with God. You know you need to make things two. Come on, we got two, church. You know God's saying to you, I want to touch. I want to I move in your life. And three, come on. Maybe you're here and you do know Jesus and you've been in a tough season, but you've been reacting wrong to crisis. You haven't turned to Christ in the crisis. You're acting wrong. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to lift your hand so I can pray over you in just a moment here. If that's you, come on, lifting a bunch of hands going up. Amen. Sometimes we don't react well to crisis, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's take a moment and pray. I want to pray first for those who are in crisis and maybe not having the right reaction to God's season in your life. Father, give us eyes to see what you see. I pray for every individual who has their hand raised along the basis of that prayer, God. Along the basis, God, of needing you to describe and show them. Show them. 
what you're pulling from their lives. Show us what you're purifying us through. In the end, we want to burn for you. Burn bright for you. Would you do it in our lives this morning? Would you give us a perspective that allows us to endure, but from a place of trusting you, of believing your word and being faithful? Would you strengthen every son and daughter who raised their hand this morning that they know they're not reacting right to crisis? Give us the grace we need to endure as you extract oils from our lives, God. Yeah, Lord, for those who have never made a commitment to you, who raised their hands, God, or want to recommit to you, Church, would you, would you repeat this prayer after me? And it's a simple prayer that we pray, but it's in these moments of interaction and transaction with God that something shifts in the heavenlies according to Scripture. Let's pray this prayer as a family together with boldness. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything that I am. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. I receive forgiveness for my sins. And I ask you to come and live in my heart. I want to walk with you all the days of my life. Would you strengthen me? Would you encourage me? Would you make me new? In Jesus' name I pray. Yeah, come on, give God praise. Come on, give God praise. Now, we say this every week, and we really mean this. If, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe somebody who came with prayed that prayer, I, I want to encourage you, at the end of the service right here in front, there'll be some people here who want to get your information from you. And, and the, the truth of the matter is we're going to stalk you, we're going to call you, we're going to blow you up. Uh, because making a decision for Jesus is one of the most important things you could do. And it's so important to connect with the church, amen, so that you can be discipled and you can grow in God. It's not enough to have a moment of emotion in the presence of God, if not to have a life of devotion with God. It's a big difference. Amen? If that was you, meet us in front up here, and we're going to be able to contact you this week. Amen? Let me bless you before you go. Father, we bless your name. We give you all the honor and all the praise. We thank you for all that you're doing in the house and in the ministry. Lord, would you help us do this week? to have the right reaction to crisis. Would you help us this week, God, to realize that what you're doing in our lives is extracting an anointing that nothing else can give us and nothing else can get us, God. Give us the right perspective this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, the church says amen. And amen. God bless you guys.